This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I'm Arzu. And I'm Candace. And we are joined today by one of our friends who is a massive Attack of the Clones fan, Silver. Hello. So we are here, obviously, because it is the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones. And we wanted to talk about the movie and specifically the reception of the movie, you know, 20 years ago versus how it's received now. Because I think y'all agree with me on this. We are in something of a prequel renaissance. The prequel kids are thriving right now. We are just, we were We're just recording. We were talking about we're winning Ewan McGregor is coming to Star Wars Celebration. Kenobi is around the corner. Like, What is our life? Yeah, two years ago, we got the really awesome ending to Clone Wars that fits Mm -hmm. so perfectly into Revenge of the Sith. Prequel kids are winning. This is is our time. This is our our generation, our time. This is it. So we keep calling ourselves prequel kids. So it kind of goes without saying that we, we grew up then these were, we were the ones the movies were made for. These were the ones that were kind of are, I know like Candace, you saw the original trilogy in theaters, but like these ones were the first ones that we were like meant to see in theaters. Like there was no other way to see them. Yeah. Except like experience the, it in theaters. The like excitement. Like I saw the 20th anniversary in the nineties in theaters, but it wasn't the same thing because I got them one after another every month they would come out. And I got to see them. I didn't have that like anticipation of waiting. And it wasn't until I was rewatching this. I was like thinking, I'm like, I know I'm always like, OG this. The OG is my favorite. But I am like a prequel kid. I am like, I was a child when it started. I was in the middle of that. I was eating all the Pizza Hut and Taco Bell I could to get all those collectibles. And, you know, I was. I was rewatching um, the entire prequel trilogy in preparation for this uh, for this episode, and by the time we got to Attack of the Clones, that you know that marketing campaign from Phantom Menace is so ingrained, ingrained in my brain that by the time I got to Attack of the Clones, like I had fried chicken on the way because I had an inexplicable <laughs> craving for it. Oh yeah, it was realizing KFC, in retrospect KFC that's too. probably why KFC, KFC was part Taco of that promotional campaign. I Pizza Hut. I like to call that the holy trinity of fast foods in 1999. <laughs> and, you yeah. Know, it, it, it was great because it was like a different variety of stuff. You know, you want, you got your pepperoni pizza, you know, hey, if you want some Taco Bell, there you go. You got some, you know, you can either get soft tacos, hard tacos, whatever. But then the KFC chicken was just, I, I mean, talk about, talk about a collaborative, like, you know, you know, we talk about Avengers Endgame, yeah, whatever. But let's talk that about the KFC. Let's, let, yeah, let's talk about the KFC Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. That was wild. I like the marketing campaign. I think, especially for the Phantom Menace, I don't have a super great memory of of the other two. But the marketing campaign for the prequel trilogy, I think, really drove home kind of who these movies were made for that demographic. Like, because a lot of it was very toy driven very like fast food driven like it was very much for the prequel kids like the kids who were supposed to come into to this world sort of via these movies so like i i loved them at the outset i think attack the clones was the one i liked the least but i think it was just because i didn't get it at the age i was at i'm like i don't know what's happening this is confusing anakin is different and then you know rewatching it post revenge system like okay now it makes more sense but 
what were your first impressions of like the prequel trilogy when you were growing up? Um, well, you know, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, the prequel trilogy. Well, for me, um, I inherited Star Wars because of my family. They were big original trilogy fans. And I just remember like like my earliest memory of watching like Return of the Jedi, like on Thanksgiving, like my uncles, my dad, everybody was just really, you know, just that's all we I, I, I'm telling you, I just don't remember. I just it's just like it was just always there. Um, whether if it was like a part of you, it was like whether if it was like a VHS box set, like at my grandma's house, or like I said, watching the original trilogy with my family, or even my uncles being excited for the re-releases. Like I just remember that as a kid. But um, I, I was nine, I think. Uh, yeah, now, yeah, I was nine when Phantom Menace came out, and I remember being the, I remember the excitement. I remember like my dad, like, you know, collecting all the Pepsi cans and it was like a big deal. I remember yeah. seeing Phantom Menace in theaters and being like, wow, this is such a cool movie. Um, I was 12 years old when Attack of the Clones came out. And again, like it was a big year, 2002 for summer, like summer break. You know, I'm in seventh grade. Let's go, you know, getting ready for summer. But also Spider-Man came out that year and Attack of the Clones. That was like a big thing that was going on. But when I saw Attack of the Clones, it was, for me, I think, when I inherited Star Wars before, I felt like this was my Star Wars. This was my introduction to Star Wars. I just completely fell in love with it. And then by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, I was already in high school. And that was my first experience of getting midnight tickets with my friends, staying in line at midnight. So for me, like, I was, I felt like... Yeah, I was able to own like my fandom and like be really excited for something coming out. So these movies came out like a per I, I just feel like they just I like defied my childhood when it was, you know, elementary school, Phantom Menace, it was cool. Attack of the Clones, I was blown away in middle school and very an impressionable 12-year-old girl, like, yes, everything all about it. But just really being excited for Revenge of the Sith just thinking like, wow, this is really special. And I'm excited for this movie coming out. I was able to experience that. So I loved it. <laughs> it was just my, it was just, yeah, just, I think just really just defined my, my childhood and my upbringing and really just made me who I am as a fangirl uh, moving forward with other fandoms. This was like my, my beginning obsession with things that I love. For sure. Do you know what's kind of weird is I don't remember who or what theater I saw the sequel trilogy, any of those movies with. But I do vividly remember who I was with and what movie theater I was in for the prequel trilogy. Like, I remember those experiences so vividly. Uh, Yeah, I was like young teen when Attack of the Clones came out. I went with all my girlfriends. And we were all giggling when Anakin was trying to flirt. And we were just like getting like secondhand embarrassment. Like you do when you're like 13, 14. When you just like Mm -hmm. 15, like you're like that young teen when you're just like, I don't, I I can't watch this because (laughs) I'm awkward like this, you know? And we're just all like giggling. And we're like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was the opposite effect i'm like "Ooh, anakin tell me more 
what like, else is my skin my, I feel like yeah Whoa. my awakening <laughs> listen I y'all know I love Obi-Wan Kenobi y'all know I walked out of the Phantom Menace eight years old like oh my god I'm mm-hmm. in love like they yeah. put an eight-year-old boy in that movie and I'm looking immediately at the yeah. like, but <laughs> Attack of the Clones was where like I was like Obi-Who because in that movie, it was all about Anakin and how awkward wow. and sweet he was. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith, you know. I mean, Revenge of the Sith, my heart was torn because they both just look so good in that movie. Oh, I... But listen, they were both at their peak, at their prime <laughs> in those movies. But anyway, Attack of the Clones. I was like, Anakin's so awkward. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. I'm telling you that a love across uh, that that theme of across, across the, the stars, stars is just oh, will make anyone melt. <laughs> I bought into it. I just remember looking at <laughs> looking at my friends and I looking at each other like when they did the flipping around in the field thing and we're like, "What?" because <laughs> we're just like in this very awkward place where we like started dating, but like it's not yeah. like real big dates. It's like holding hands and getting coffee and you know. Mm-hmm, a couple mm-hmm. kisses but like that's it and you're just like you're not rolling in the fields yeah i'm like are we dating wrong are we doing romance wrong because <laughs> you know you see like adults so that's i'm like technically they're adults you know like they're older than us yeah are we are we like should we go and secretly get married we just read romeo and juliet is that what we're supposed to do <laughs> no we just a double whammy of bad ideas yeah i had a lot of bad ideas i also remember kind of being confused by the obi-wan kenobi plotline with the clones being creative because they give you like a lot of information like oh, oh sifo mm-hmm. dilia uh, Dil- thank you yeah. i'm like arzu yeah. knows the name off the top of i know it. i got you sifo yeah. yeah so like they're telling you about this and that was a jedi and then count dooku was also a jedi and you're just like it's a lot of information especially when you're a kid but you're still like Obi-Wan's cool. He's like becoming a detective mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. You know? I I remember thinking when I first saw and this was part of the reason I didn't take to it. Because Anakin and Padme stuff, I'm like, I get what's going on here and I'm all about this. <laughs> but the love. love story and it's tragedy. And like yeah. but with, with Obi-Wan, I'm like, I don't know who Sifo Dias is. I don't know who Count Dooku is. At least I know who Boba Fett is and I understand that this mm. is his father. So I'm like, okay fine but and that they're cloning him but i don't know why and i don't know who these people are and then it wasn't that i thought the movie had communicated it poorly it was that i thought i missed something like they were in the first movie and i didn't notice Mm -hmm. and then i was like well okay i guess this just doesn't make any sense like i I got the sense that it made sense but i wasn't picking up on it Mm -hmm. so that was my vibe and i think that's why i didn't take to it and then you know when you get older and you kind of have also, the whole trilogy to look at and then you, you also read the extended universe well i didn't clone read wars. any of that until i was an adult mm-hmm. okay and i didn't so. watch clone wars until until grad school so i didn't have any yeah. of that yeah but, there's yeah there's a lot going on in this movie i mean it's yeah it's wild i mean there's constant like information being thrown at you and you know um but yeah honestly i i think that i was just really captivated by just more like visuals of stuff like you know just seeing like all the jedi like for example all the jedi geonosis i thought that was like wild and cool um you know i for me obviously my biggest takeaway was the romance between anakin and padme again being an impressionable young girl this was 
so amazing and wonderful. And I'm like, ooh, this is fun. Um, but yeah, I really just kind of enjoyed the movie just for that. And then later on, I realized like, wow, this actually was a big turning point as far as like the story mm -hmm. with this trilogy was trying to tell us um, later on. But yeah. I think I was more like, well, lightsabers, blast and, you know, uh, you know, Coruscant looks cool and a lot going on. And this is exciting and visually stunning for me. And, you know, that's really kind of really my biggest takeaway from it. Um, you know, oh, I actually went in thinking that Luke and Leia would be there at the end because I thought the the third movie would be Padme like trying to keep her kids away from their dark side or like Palpatine and everything like that. Just because of a few lines in the extended universe and legends and also just Leia being like, oh, I remember my mother, you know, kind of thing. So and I was like, oh, they got married at the end instead. I was like, I guess it's a way to get to the baby making, you know. Like, but I remember having like expectations and being like shocked. I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, I was ready for baby Luke and Leia. <laughs> Do you guys remember the movie theater experience uh, when Yoda grabbed the lightsaber? Because yes. I think that was like, that was, uh, I, my, my, my movie theater exploded with that moment. And, you know, come to find out later, like, because again, like I, remember the you know original trilogy stuff i i know yoda but i must imagine for a lot of like you know long time star wars fans seeing yoda actually you know yoda will the lightsaber <laughs> yeah. doing his thing must have been wild but um i really remember that part when everybody was like freaking out at the movie theater yeah i didn't get to see two or three in the theaters because where we lived didn't show them so i saw them on bootleg at home <laughs> The fan so cool. Yeah, that's a great. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about You're this nice was. You're comfy at home. <laughs> and if I don't get it, I can watch it again tomorrow. Exactly. I can watch it again immediately after. You're lucky. You know, yeah, you can just keep so watching there it. Was, there was an upside to that, <laughs> I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah, I remember but, yeah. it going crazy when Yoda did his thing and then people clapping afterwards when he's like walking afterwards. And <laughs> like, he gets his cane back up and, yeah, you know. Just cheering. <laughs> I want to like just pedal slightly backwards to something Silver said about this being kind of like the turning point of the story, mm. which I think is something a lot of critics missed when they were first talking about it. So like, it's a lot of flashy visual and bad dialogue and we can talk about the dialogue until tomorrow and maybe, maybe reach the same conclusion that maybe the dialogue's not the sharpest, but I think that's something a lot of people underestimate about Attack of the Clones is just how pivotal it is. Because Phantom Menace is like a kid's movie at the end of the day, and it's everything kind of starting and it's fun and it's bright and it's whatever. Revenge of the Sith is like one very terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week in Anakin Skywalker's life. But Attack of the Clones is like everything slowly starting to go wrong. And I think I'm finally understanding one of my profs in college. We were talking about Star Wars and he's like, you know what I think? Attack of the Clones is the best one like of all of them and by this point eight of them were out and he's like it's the best one and like one of my friends was like he is a crazy person i'm like i know i think the man's got a point mm -hmm. like yeah 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 there's i mean yeah there's a lot going on i mean um 
you know, you see, well, in the original trilogy, they talk about this clone army. I mean, it's mentioned the clone wars, right? Mm -hmm. And then you finally see like, okay, the beginning of that. Um, you see just aspects of like Anakin, you know, especially him losing his mom. And like, you know, you see that turning point of you, you seeing a young boy in the last movie, but you're seeing like, you know, his frustrations and, you know, you can kind of see where already, we all know where it's going, but you're, you know, you're seeing where it is. And then the, you know, it's just seeing like, look in Leia's mom and dad, like, you know, here's their story. Um, and, you know, you see the behind of, you know, at the end of the movie, it's the big reveal that it's Palpatine is, you know, behind it all, which I'm trying to remember. It's like, did we not notice that already in the first movie? <laughs> But there was this big reveal and then, you know, they're, they already have like the Death Star plans and there's just like, you know, there's just like a lot brewing and stuff. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. I think one of the like subtler aspects of, of the big stuff brewing is we're talking about sifo is like when Obi-Wan goes to Kamino and they're like, oh yeah, sifo ordered this clone army for the Republic and Obi-Wan's like, what? Like he has <laughs> he, no idea. But he, he just he goes Sifo-Dyas with it. Well, yeah. he rolls with it because if he if he denies it, then mm-hmm. they're not going to tell him anything. But he's like, yeah. I'm here. But then, find out as a kid, on. you're like, oh, so Obi Wan did know about this, you know, kind of thing. Because mm. you're just a dumb kid and you don't. Mm-hmm. No, I I got that he was think, playing along, but yeah. I I didn't that, understand what he was playing along to. Yeah, oh, that's that why was I'm, my problem. He goes, that's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm like, this man is lying, but yeah. I feel like. He knows about as much of this as I do, which is to say nothing mm-hmm. whatsoever. Like, and by the end of the movie, he seems to know what's going on. I'm like, that's great. You want to share with the class because I still don't know what's happening. Yeah. But as a kid, I just knew I'm like, blame Palpatine. If something's going wonky, it's Palp's fault. I said, this is probably Palp's doing. That's just what I did. Anytime anything happened, I didn't understand. I'm like, Palp- it was Palpatine all along. It was Palpatine all along. Except I didn't have a catchy song as a kid. I know. Where's the song? Palpatine doesn't need a song. Yeah. (laughs) He knows what he did. He doesn't need a song. And you made sure everybody else knew. (laughs) I was looking at some critic reviews sort of before we, like, in preparation for this. And by and large, the consensus was that they didn't like it which I don't think shocks any of us. Like the Hollywood reporter was just kind of, it almost sounds like anybody who dislikes it now is just quoting the Hollywood reporter. Cause it was the same thing, like whatever. But Roger Ebert said something I thought was really funny in retrospect. Now that we have 20 years behind us. And I wonder if y'all will find it as funny as I do. So he says, as someone who admired the freshness and energy of earlier films, I was amazed at the end of episode two to realize I'd not heard one line of quotable, memorable dialogue. Which, given how much we quote this movie, mm-hmm. is nothing short of hysterical to me. Let's talk about the prequel memes. Prequel memes is very much a thing. <laughs> Just yeah. like, the, he even later in the review quotes, I don't like sand. I'm like, well, there's your line, Roger Ebert. Like, clearly you remembered that one. Mm-hmm. Quotable. So, my favorite thing, line. I just found out was actually like ad lib by Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman was about like the aggressive negotiations. um, Yeah. And it's like, Oh, what do you call this? You know? And she's got her gun out. 
Yeah. Well, they they mention it while they're by the lake first. Right. Um, like and- which part was which part was his improv? Both parts. I think both parts because apparently they were doing like a lot of the love scenes and like George was like, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, you should have wrote something better than, you know, George, you know, mm-hmm. could you feel it or you should have had somebody, you know, maybe feel it. Okay. Going off topic, off topic. So they ad-libbed a lot, apparently. I, I don't know. I don't know what was in the script, but I, I love that lot, those lines of the two of them. Yeah. I think uh, Hayden and Natalie had a really good, like, you know, I think they had a really good relationship out, um, you know, off the movie and stuff, too. So I think they were kind of like, you can just totally tell, like, I don't know if rumors are true or whatever, but you can just totally tell behind, you know, like when you see the behind the scenes stuff, they're very like, you know. Oh, I remember those rumors. As a a 12 year old burning with jealousy. I remember those. rumors. Yeah, I think those were. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You have, Hannah, you, have, you have Hannah Christensen on set. You know, Natalie Portman also. Like, you know. Both they at least were really yeah. good friends. And they had a blast. They looked like they were having fun. Yeah. And, like, you got to remember, you're in, like, your early 20s making, like, this sci-fi, like, fantasy yeah. movie. Like, with a bunch of green screen. I hope you find some joy in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> They're just seeing orange the entire time afterwards. Because, you know, yeah. when you oh, stare right. at a green screen. Oh, my goodness. That's it. Just, everything is orange. <laughs> Everything's orange. <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's so, orange. What surprised me, though, looking at reviews, was Empire Magazine. Loved it. And this was, like, their 2002 review, okay, which is weird. Is it me. because Empire always gets, at least back then, always got the exclusive photos beforehand so they kind of had like a did they because premiere magazine got the exclusive for revenge of the sith so i don't know if it was oh okay i feel like it was empire a lot but the thing is it's like some of it i don't agree with but like okay so one of the things says there's more action more humor more humanity mcgregor's obi-wan is more confident and cynical while portman's padme is less regal and more sexy like okay um oh yeah because she was 14 in the last one you grosso yeah. Like, sorry. More sexy. That that means that, that he should... thought a child was sexy then. No, he thought a child was not sexy. No, he thought he said more sexy. She's less regal, more sexy. So they're like not making her. She wasn't sexy. She yeah. was like too dressed up. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what he means. No, nobody is sexualizing a child. Okay. Just making sure. But it's like on the flip side, there's no mini chlorians and hurrah, barely any Jar Jar. Meanwhile, Lucas directs capably showing off his visual skills while letting the increasingly dark story develop unhindered, which I thought is an excellent point because yes, he's just kind of letting Anakin's darkness kind of like they cite the Tuscan Raider thing and the confession of like, I killed them all, the men, the women, the children um, being the most emotionally charged star Wars sequence since empire's climax. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Empire magazine That's making fair. some good points here. Yeah, that is. And they praise Hayden Christensen's performance, which I don't think enough. people. Wow. Do. A lot of people didn't at they the time, don't. especially not attack of the clones. If anything, they'll be like, well, revenge was good, but yeah. Attack of the clones oh. is that that's where he got, he was in the ringer for that one. Yeah, for but sure. Like, they recognize that like he is doing a damn good job with the material he's got. Mm-hmm. I remember like specifically watching Hayden Christensen. Cause like when you get accept, like when I got obsessed with the movie, I would be like, I want to watch everything that actor's been in. You know, yes. Since I did the same thing with Natalie Portman. 
Um, Ewan McGregor, the movies I was allowed to see, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> he had a lot of R-rated movies under his belt. Um, mm-hmm. No, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> we can make that dirty, right? Okay. It's, anyway. Yeah. I saw Shattered Glass. I think it was just like a year or two after or around the same time. And he is like, I was like, he's a great actor. I'm like, why are people complaining? Because that is just Anakin. Like, he mm-hmm. is playing as it's written, you know? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that, like, because the di- like w- the dialogue, admittedly, as much as I like the movie, is not the most natural dialogue. No. No, it's very clunky. Which yeah. is fine. Like, I think it, it's things like, you know, like Ewan McGregor, Christopher Lee, Tamar Morrison all had more experience under their belt. So they can take something that sounds unnatural and make it work for them. But, like, Hayden was brand new. Mm-hmm. Natalie Portman had been acting forever, but she's like, you know, still a newer actor. But they did what they they did quite well with what they were given. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Only Ewan McGregor comes off with like really solid, like natural performance. Like even Samuel L. Jackson seems stunted. And he again has decades mm-hmm. at this That's point. That's true. Mm-hmm. Under his I'm going to say under his belt again. I'm, I don't know what else, another term that's, for that. That's the, but like, that's the term for it. But yeah, it's just, it's it's not their fault again. And they did a Star Wars. They made a Star Wars. So and let's not here, pretend there's not know. like some, like the thing is, I think people look at the OG with such rose tinted glasses that they forget that there's some really hammy lines and deliveries in it. Yeah. That is really Star works. Wars. Mm-hmm. This is a Star Wars. Like, I wasn't shocked by anything in the prequels as a kid because I'm like, I had just seen these original trilogies. Yeah, there's a little bit more CGI. Well, there's, uh, there's CGI there's in general. CGI. I saw the Can't... special editions. So, <laughs> you know, more CGI. Yeah. yeah. But this is matching that, you know? Sorry, I have a lot of feelings about this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, I think I think a part of the problem is, like, the people who were reviewing it then, like, we were the target demographic, we talked about that, and the people reviewing it then were just older, mm-hmm. had grown up with Star Wars, had those rose-tinted glasses on, kind of saw it as this very serious, significant, like, whatever, and sure, you can take it that way. I mean, hell, we're here on a Star Wars podcast, but, like, it's supposed to be silly, and hammy and it, it needs those moments or it, it doesn't feel right i think so yeah it doesn't I mean, bother me agreed yeah look at the way that mark yells no in empire <laughs> it makes me giggle sometimes it made I me giggle as a kid i can't i can't handle it i can't handle that the two um, notes back to back i um, can't the way his mouth mo- yeah yeah no it's i honestly i that part in Empire where it's just like the big reveal and it's like dramatic and then the after with his no, it's impossible. And like, yeah, I just uh, talk about I, dramatic. He throws himself off a thing. He yeah, like yeah, falls. No. <laughs> but his facial reactions are really funny too. But like, <laughs> this is like we know this guy he gives half the DNA for Luke Skywalker. He's got to at least have half that drama. Yeah. Not for sure. So because we are here talking attack of the clones talking what we love about it and how we feel that the poor reviews were not justified what are y'all's favorite moments from the movie oh my goodness i have a lot go for it 
Um, <laughs> I just think everything on Coruscant is just amazing. Um, when you see it on in Phantom Menace, it's like, oh, this is new, obviously new world and stuff. But you can really tell that they just really upped their game as far as like visuals and stuff. I know everything was like, you know, CGI and stuff. But um, my gosh, like the whole Coruscant chase. I remember seeing it also in IMAX 3D that year, and it was incredible. So all that was amazing. Um, okay, Coruscant, Ge uh, Geonosis, and uh, Camino. Honestly, just the locations were just off the wall, like insane, crazy. Can't believe they, you know, did this. Um, I just thought again. For me, I think what I my biggest takeaway was more the visuals because I was a kid and thought, wow, what am I seeing on screen? This is wild. Um, just a gosh, I just really Everything. love the entire <laughs> the, the love pledge with Anakin and Padme, like about right before the they go into the arena. Yes, that is for me one of the top most romantic things ever, even though. Prior to that, a lot of it was like kind of cringy as me being an adult later. I'm like, ooh, that's weird. Anakin, stop being, you know, creepy. Anakin, but, stop. Yeah, <laughs> literally. No, seriously, Anakin, stop. Um, but yeah, I mean that again, like I just really just felt I I, I was just a fool for their love story. Um, but yeah, I think for me, mainly it's just those three new locations that we've never seen. I think there's something just really visually stunning. And honestly, I just always think about um, it. Honestly, my biggest favorite thing, my is the complete third act of this movie is mm -hmm. just off the wall nuts and in every good way. Um, but I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. I can say I, I, I love the whole thing. I don't know what I'm going to talk. I, I can't even pinpoint what I like. I love it all. Candace, I, any standout I, moments? I just remember giggling so much <laughs> at the point when Obi-Wan is in the bar and the guy's like, do you want some death sticks? He's like, you don't want to. He does a Jedi mind trick. And he's like, you don't want to yeah. sticks. You want to rethink your life. And he says it, he repeats it. I thought that was comedy gold. Lost my mind. I like that in the comics, he does actually go home and rethink his life. And you like, it's like a blink and you miss it thing. But in the back panel, you can like see him with like a spouse and a child, like in the background. Just Making good back. decisions for them. I'm like, oh, you see, Obi Wan That just like stands out to me as like one of the most comedic, solid comedic Star Wars moments that really and it's so dry it's such a like not dry but it's like such a straightforward scene where obi-wan's like yes i do this all the time go home and rethink your life yeah <laughs> he's it. like i make drug drug dealers rethink their life choices i feel like i'm not the first person to say this um others definitely have but the the lines that I think get memed the most, like I don't like sand, and then the whole testing <laughs> confession, are mm. actually some of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, not because of how silly they are, but because I'm like, underneath the joke and how much we laugh at it, there is something going on here. There really and is. I love that. Like the like the confession is pretty straightforward. We know what's going on, and it's just such a brutal moment where like 
I love that Padme sees this and chooses to realize that this is somebody who is acknowledging he's done something wrong and needs help. And maybe she and doesn't help him. him. Well, she maybe <laughs> doesn't help him the right way, but she does acknowledge that he needs the help. And I'm like, not enough people in Star Wars get the help when they need it. And kudos to Padme for trying. Yeah. Except, you know what? <laughs> Padme. Listen, no, I just thought about it for a second. I'm like, if okay. Padme was actually really intelligent and wanted him to get help, she'd be like, hey, Obi-Wan Yoda, this really weird thing happened in Tatooine. But she can't tell them that. Because why were they there? And why do you know? And why was he even talking to you? And now he's out of the order. You're in trouble. And like, She's not in trouble. She's not. The Jedi do not control her. Yeah. She does what she wants. She does what she wants. But like, Mm -hmm. it would get Anakin in a lot of trouble. First of all, second of all, it's like one of those things where when you're a queen at 14, by the time you're 24, you're like, there's nothing I can't do. I was a queen. Mm -hmm. So, right. And she's already falling in love with him anyway. So she's like, these two things will. I'm not saying it wound up being the best decision for her overall, but I am saying I admire the attempt. Yeah. I I, I think there's this once that one scene where she's, they're packing um, and she's on her way, you know, they're going to go to Naboo and stuff. And he's kind of voicing his frustrations a little bit of like, you know, Obi-Wan's holding. Yeah. Yeah. um, But I think, I think, like, she just, like, feels like, wow, like, you know, maybe, yeah, I can kind of see that it's kind of been really bugging him. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, I don't know, yeah, that scene where he's, like, you know, she's packing and stuff, and she says something like, oh, don't grow up too fast or whatever. Yeah. And then he gets, like, creepy again. But <laughs> he's, like, actually, I'm grown up. Yeah. <laughs> but I am grown up. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh gosh, here we go. Well, it's cringy like, again. <laughs> that reminds me of something in like the E.K. Johnsons and the like uh, Matthew Stover. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The, the extended universe stuff is like how they explain like the reason that Padme is like really attracted to Anakin is because he does speak his mind. He's very honest. He's very open with his emotions because she's like stuck with all these politicians who are very like one note. So I guess she just saw that extreme and was like, yes, put a baby babies in me please you know <laughs> oh dear i love a man <laughs> it's who like goal in every episode i love a man to... who can yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> it's his passionate side doesn't just say what kind of passion just wants the but... passion all I... kinds of passion man i agree but that like <laughs> i can't even go back to my other point now <laughs> not after that I think no, also like, I think also she might see that he's actually lost a lot too because yeah. she remembers when he was on Tatooine she remembers him as a little boy she she's met his mother she knows like wow this is too much and then to go back to Tatooine and then hit, she's with there witnessing everything that like wow I left my mom and look what look at this outcome and she's seeing this like unfold in her eyes like I think that I mean she's almost like right there with him almost experience yeah. it with him because it would be weird, let's say, if Phantom Menace, she was not there, you know, seeing this little boy's life and then seeing, like, the aftermath of, like, wow, like, you know, and that guilt that he had, that he left his mom there. And, I, you know, I just feel like she was able to experience that with him. And, you know, when you experience, when you, I don't know, there's just something that happens when someone else is experiencing grief and 
you know, there's someone else there alongside for that ride. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's something that happens and unfolds where, I don't know. And the thing is, the last memory she has of Anakin prior to this little, you know, few days they spent together is like that time on Tatooine and, and immediately after when they go back to Naboo. So to her, like the association of Anakin and Shmi is very close. Like she hasn't seen what the last 10 years have brought to him in terms of like a life at the temple and all of that. And we see, you know, in, in expanded materials and just through context clues that like it wasn't the easiest mm -hmm. and he's clearly still struggling with it. But it's almost fresher to Padme mm -hmm. because that's like how she remembers Anakin and how she remembers Shmi. And like, it's, it's such a shame that we lose this scene in the movie, but the deleted scene where they're on Naboo and they go home to Padme's family and you like meet her parents and her sister and her sister's kids and all of this. And like, you know, Padme doesn't see her family for professional reasons. Like, you know, she kind of keeps them at a distance, but they're there. She can go home for dinner. She mm -hmm. can like talk to them about her boyfriend. They can be like, okay, when you're getting married, like she doesn't see them by choice because like, it's just hard to do when you're living somewhere else for work. And then to go from that immediately into the reminder that Anakin didn't see his mom for 10 years because they won't let him see his mom. Yeah. And that he, he left his mom knowing he's not going to go back to her. Mm -hmm. And then when he does eventually go back to her, it's only for her to die in his arms. Like she sees all of that happen. And I think when you lose that scene, you lose that perspective. Mm -hmm. yeah, like just we, seeing we her know with it, her parents would be a very yeah. good um, it thing draws to see. that connection. Because yeah, because you, that, yeah, that was great. Obviously, like that shows you like, okay. And then you see Anakin bring back his dead mother. Like that would yeah. help like, you know, maybe forgive Padme for like not reporting him like i said he, she should have they you should know? have let that yeah i'm sorry because yeah. like we of don't know her, she has yeah. any family we have they no should have, idea who she and, is outside of being senator really and, and also queen. if you watch revenge of the sith during her funeral they show her parents and have you not watched the deleted scenes you would not know who these people are like it, yeah it was a crowd shot i didn't realize they were her parents the first yeah, time yeah her those are her, mom, her mom and dad girl. Yeah, it's so like that's like you know, they that's something that they should have left in. Like I don't know. Um, you know, she also says in that scene after you know, uh, when he comes home after bringing his mom and um, you know, he's in the the Lars homestead and he's upset and he, you know, and then I think she says, like, to be angry is to be human. And then he says, I am I'm a Jedi, I know I'm better than this. So like she's seeing that like already the Jedi are saying like, you're not allowed to have these emotions. You're supposed to just, you know, but she's saying, no, it's okay to feel this way. You're a human. It's fine. You know, but you know, she's kind of seeing like, he's already walking this line of like, I, I'm a Jedi. I can't feel this way. I'm more than, I'm more yeah. Than this. Yeah. The, that does actually tie back to why I like, I don't like Sam. Like why I like that exchange because that Padme is like pre- Tuscan Padme so she doesn't have that it hasn't clicked for her yet but her being like we used to swim on the beach and then lie there and let the like lie on the sand and let it dry and Anakin's like okay this to you was a school holiday with your private school in Lake Como like I grew up with like sand in my shoes and in my clothes and probably yeah. in my food and like he had to clean it out of parts at the shop where the Ugh. guy he was working for owned him like i thought you were gonna say other parts because that happens 
Yeah, it does happen. It's too. uncomfy. It's uncomfy and it's scratchy and itchy. Like, you find it there for weeks. Yeah. And that's oh my gosh. his association with Stan. So for her to just be like, oh, you know, like the beach trip with my friends. And he's like, the fact that I was owned for nine years. And like, they're putting that in perspective. And then she kind of like shuts yeah. down almost after that exchange. And then I think she takes that perspective with her forward mm-hmm. and applies that kind of empathy when Anakin is then subsequently having his very deserved meltdown yeah it just shows yeah it just shows that they're just they just come from two different way different backgrounds you know um even in the attack of the clones novel uh while they're on tatooine and they're um while they're yeah while they're going to tatooine to go see uh, water looking for its mom in the novel anakin even says you know when she's you know she's walking out you know she's there with him and he i think anakin even acknowledges that she does not belong on this planet Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean they just two different worlds yeah and my goodness i'm a sucker for these type of love stories and like the tragedy (laughs) of it is it could have worked yes really could have worked because the only hook palpatine had in him like with time because the only hook palpatine really had in him was well she's gonna die if you don't save her and he had no help otherwise yeah and that pushed him Okay, honestly, after watching the Comb Wars, I really think that they were donezo after the Clovis um, thing where he, like, beats the crap out of him. And then she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Guess we're back together. But Padme also comes from a planet where you, you as a woman can have kids on your own without stigma. If she was really done, she would have gone. Mm. By that point. Because, like... She has an out at the end of Revenge of the Sith when she finds out he's killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. And her answer is still, let's make this work. Mm-hmm. Not, I never want to see you again. She had an out. She could have. Like, is she, she more like, oh, crap. If I don't save him or kill him, he's going to come after my kids. She doesn't think that, though. Not at that point. I don't, I don't think, think she thought that. I think she genuinely really wanted, she really... Even her dying words were like, there's really, there's, there's good, good, good in good him. In him yeah. yeah. Like she, she died believing there was still good in this man who just tried to kill her and killed a bunch she of children. I don't think him punching her ex-boyfriend in the face was a deal breaker. If anything, she was like, Ooh, my That's goodness, hot. Anakin, you've got a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Leia and Luke she likes, she likes a little, a little rage. Yeah. No, for sure. That's, that's a line in Revenge of the Sith. Something about like how he went after those Tuscans was like, oh, the man who would do such things. And, you know, she liked that kind of in him. She liked the danger in him. Ooh. Which, okay. He's the hottest in uh, Revenge of the Sith when he's like post, you know, when he's post like- murdering children. When he's Darth Vader. When he's Darth Vader. And I, I think I tried to. <laughs> Pre lava. Capri lava, <laughs> or even when he's there in the lava. I don't know. There's this stuff. Well, he's, he's very hot, hot in the lava. He's very hot in lava. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he is. But I'm like, I don't know. There's just something. I'm like, oh, wow. You're mad. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some big feelings. Yeah. Ooh. For him. <laughs> God, we went a lot of places. Yeah, we did. As we should, honestly. That's mm-hmm. the thing about this movie. There are so many places you can go with it. 
also about this podcast. It's also my goal in every <laughs> one of space wobbles just to make Erzy go off track a little bit. And I think I did that twice. It's not hard so. to make me go off track. You realize you could leave me alone and I would just go no, all over yeah. the place. It's honestly a good time. I'm having a great time as a guest. So I'm like, ooh, let's go there. <laughs> let's weave. I feel like we could do another hour just focusing on Padme and Anakin's relationship, which I think we should at a different time. Because again, <laughs> a lot of big feelings about it. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. We should do that. Yeah. Because I mean, I want to go more in depth in this, especially with more like looking more at their Clone Wars, you know? Yeah interactions yeah no for sure all right so as we wind it down final thoughts on attack of the clones other than everybody should give it another try if they've dismissed it as quote unquote the bad one it's a cinematic masterpiece oh my father still can't get over that yoda didn't switch up his words when he says bring me my ship bring my ship to me or something like that he still gets mad about this whenever he sees I'm watching a prequel. He's like, they didn't give him the right. They actually, I think they went too far in this movie with the with the switch the speech pattern. Like the, yeah, I think the I think it's Attack of the Clones. One of the prequels goes a little too far with Yoda's speech pattern. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's br- well done, Commander. Bring me a ship. He thought it should be a ship. Bring me, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yoda's just done some battling. He's off to do some more battling. He needs to get straight into the point. Yeah. So just bring me a ship. Yeah. My my dad's still not over that. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of hilarious. I get it. Yeah. Now this movie, uh, again, I like I said, I, it's more like a personal connection for me. I think this was when I became a Star Wars fan. Um, like I mentioned before, where I felt like I inherited Star Wars. This was my why this is who I am today as a fan. Um, but as I, you know, like we're going through this prequel Attack of the Clones renaissance, I can totally feel it in the air in this fandom. But, you know, there's a lot to really kind of celebrate about this movie. I know we discussed a few things like, you know, um, the turning point as far as the story. Um, but there's a lot of like accomplishments as far as like ILM and what Lucasfilm did. Um, like on the technical level yeah and I think that's really cool I love um, I'm I actually just watched a lot of like the behind the scenes like special features of this movie and it's insane Um, if you ever want to see George Lucas really happy and relaxed you should watch him making this movie he thinks it's like everything that he wanted to accomplish in Phantom Menace he's seeing it come to fruition in this movie Um, and I think you can see that Again, like I said, visually with the sound, everything else in between. Um, but I don't know. I honestly, I think this movie is great. And um, yes, we could talk about the clunky dialogue, which can be cringy. It's part <laughs> of the charm, honestly. And there, it is part of the charm. Um, but, you know, for me... Uh, Again, I think it's more like a personal level as far as like why I enjoy it so much. Um, but I think there's a lot of really good things that like, a great accomplishment. I mean, look what happened after this movie. And, you know, literally there's an, a, a very 
I mean, there's a animation series that came out that's really just, I mean, fantastic right after in between both these two movies um, because of everything that happened in Attack of the Clones, you know, Um, (laughs) let's let's mention Tamora Morrison, you know, like the fact that he was introduced as an actor, you know, and then we get to enjoy him as Boba Fett later. Like, it's just there's just so many things to really, um, you know, enjoy. And but yeah, I mean. I don't know. I can, I can write a book as far as why I love this movie and why I think it's great. But I'm glad everyone's coming around to it 20 years later. Yeah, we, yeah, we got to give a shout out. This is our first time to Morrison's in a Star Wars. This is the yep. beginning. It is 20 years later and going strong. I love that he's still here 20 years later. Like he deserves it, honestly. No. It is. It's so cool. Like even like yeah, even like my boss at work who's like, you know, just casually watching the Disney Plus shows and stuff, he asked me a question. He's like, uh, so who's the act the actor who plays Boba Fett in the show? You know, like just trying to put two and two together. He looks familiar. I'm like, Well, he was in the prequel and I explained, like, you know, that's his dad and he was cloned and he just thought, Wow, that is amazing. That's so cool that he can experience like, you know, come around and experience that again. Like that's that's awesome for him. That's great. Maybe we'll get like a Rex version of him too. I will scream my head off. I will f- I will scream into the sun if I see <laughs> Tamara Morrison as Rex. You guys have no idea. <laughs> oh my God. Tamara yeah, Morrison right as Rex in Ahsoka. Tamara Morrison as Cody in Obi-Wan. She's- I- all of the tour. You will be just the corners of North America screaming. No, I will. I would. I would leave my body, and you'll be. I will be screaming into the sun. Like that's just what would happen to just me. Think <laughs> of how unhinged Twitter is going to get. Oh, I know. More unhinged than it already is. More unhinged than it already is, but like a special kind of unhinged. Yeah, it's wild. Okay, I'm putting that in, out into the universe, please. Yeah, scream my head off. On the note of screaming your head off, if people want to find you screaming your head off, Silver, where's the best place to do that? <laughs> well, you can find me screaming my head off every day on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Thrifting, where, I don't know, I like to go to thrift stores and flea markets and look for Star Wars stuff. So come check it out. It's Earth Day. Silver so is, you are like a thrifting icon. I It is a dream to go thrifting with you because... My thrift stores do not carry the incredible things like the Star Wars chess set that you're showing us right now. I am showing. Um, is that my Attack of the Clones chess set? This is set? Attack of the Clones chess set. It's that Attack of the Clones. Attack oh of the Clones. The clones were attacking. And I will be attacking on this chess set really soon when I open it out of the box. Because I did find this at the flea market. So, yes, everyone, you guys can find me there where I show cool stuff like this. Like the chess set. Yes. Follow her if you want to see the chess set. Yay. Uh, as for us, if you want to follow Candace, she's on Twitter at Candace is a geek. I am on Twitter at Arzuamin, and that's where you can find your Space Waffles updates as well. Collectively, as an ever-growing network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the Geeky Waffle. We are at thegeekywaffle.com, and that's where we have all of our reviews, book reviews, recaps, all of that good stuff. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle, and that's where you can get things like um access to our discord server and waffles after dark so thank you all so much for listening the prequel kids are thriving right now and may the waffles be with you